Hello, and welcome to HR Bytes, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast channel or watch us on YouTube and follow us on social. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This is your host, and, and right now, um, we are also on threads. Let me put that in. <laughs> so this is your host, Jay Palaki. And today's guest is Rajama Krishnamurthy. Welcome to HR Bytes, Rajama. I am delighted to share your insights with the HR Bytes community today. Thank you, Jay. Um, I'm happy to be here. Rajama, could you tell us a little bit about your experience in the space and the work that you do in the HR tech space today? Sure. Um, started as a my life as a developer. I don't think I ever left that. I still have that geek in me once in a while, would learn a new language and go figure that out. Um, but um, over the last 23 years or so, I have been working in HR technology, the various aspects of it. Um, started my career at uh, Monsanto, worked through Pharmacy Upjohn, and then which those companies like Pharmacy and Upjohn don't exist anymore. But uh, that became Pfizer. And then over the last 10 years, I've been spending my time in uh, Microsoft doing the same. And um, over the last few months, I've been uh, shifting uh, like everyone else into AI and AI here, not just for HR, but for the enterprise. Wonderful. Well, I am looking forward to learning so much from you today. And so let's just jump right into my questions. Um, you know, HR leaders today um, have been front and center and even so more so during the past couple of years with the massive shift to remote and hybrid work. Um, AI, automation, workforce wellness are center stage today. So how do you think we should be approaching building AI into the HR function? And how should HR leaders prepare our function for increased use of AI? That's a great question, Jay. Um, one of the things that I always, uh, whenever I have conversations with HR, uh, being a technologist, when you have that conversation with your, uh, with your clients or with other customers that are working in HR, uh, my my uh, first uh, advice is that it's inevitable. AI and HR are going to be uh, kind of intermingled, co-mingled and co-working so much that you will, after a while, this question might be almost like irrelevant. And so which, what that means is that it's not just HR. Any, any part of the enterprise is going to kind of now kind of uh, will be tasked to ask to kind of take advantage of the AI uh, everywhere. So now what do HR do? First of all, like everything else, when you start new, you educate yourselves. Um, every part, similar to how HR kind of got educated on data and analytics, um, the time has come to get educated on AI. And so make sure that you have a very good understanding of uh, what AI means, what are the various uh, aspects of it. You don't need to be a developer or a technologist to kind of understand, but at least know what the ins and outs of it are at every, every stage of your, um, in, in every aspect of HR. and then. Also, think about, um, you know, especially when it comes to HR, HR is all about humans and humans means that uh, this is where we have to be very careful about the responsible use of AI. And so 
stay focused on the responsible use of AI as you move forward. And as you start to kind of learn about and where to kind of bring in AI into the HR um, sphere, think about areas where it is not going to kind of start making decisions about humans, because that's where you can learn without affecting any um, uh, human aspects of uh, HR, basically. That's a great segue into my next question. Um, you know, leadership is now asking every team to do more with less. And in such a scenario, the adoption of technology for and by HR teams in all aspects of our function is inevitable. So how do you think we should consider using AI to completely shift the way we work versus just a Band-Aid approach? I think, I think AI is going to have to, will force you to do that. Um, uh, and uh, most companies that are going to be successful are going to have to adapt to that kind of uh, mind shift when it comes to AI. And, you know, what that means is not necessarily, you know, uh, I think there is a lot of conversations about replacement of humans with AI and so on. I think it is going to become, um, this is my favorite analogy of how AI should work, should work, is um, like if it was a caddy, um, you know, golf uh, course, which I don't play golf. So if anyone does, then they will understand what I'm talking about. They will carry the bags for you. They will hold the clubs for you. They will suggest what clubs you want to use, but you have to hit that hole in one. You have to make that drive and you have to make the decision which club to use, regardless of what the suggestions are. So think of that when it comes to even in HR, implementing um, implementing AI like that in every aspect of what you do in HR will, will go a long way. And uh, recently, Microsoft uh, did a study of, uh, I think, um, um, quite a number of companies and individuals and leaders about uh, work trends. And the work trends index showed very clearly that, you know, employee engagement is on the down low, like people are not, you know, the pandemic and everything that has surrounded us, uh, the burnout is high. So how do you get the employee engagement back and how do you get the productivity back in the, in, uh, for the employees um, is very important. And the way you do it is by doing more with less, like figuring out how you can get rid of all the not so desirable things that you have to do during the day and kind of um, put you into places where you can actually focus on something uh, good and great to do. And um, you had asked me one specific question. Let me uh, complete with that, which is how do you kind of completely shift the uh, mind in uh, how you do this work uh, with AI? I think um, when it comes to AI, um, the, if you start, if you just, the, the way you start maybe a little bit, you know, you dip your toe into the water, you kind of understand how to use it in a certain um, um, certain particular example, let's say, I can do. I can use AI to help me create job descriptions, or I can use AI to help me summarize my interview. Um, though I have the inter entire interview transcript in front of me, and I can use AI, you know, think, things like that where you can actually have um, AI kind of start helping you. But then, when you really have to implement AI for enterprise experiences and such like, then you will have to think beyond HR. You have to think about the entire enterprise and kind of. Uh, move employees out of remembering URLs and navigations and things like that to an experience that is just in time. So they ask for something, they get it. They are they are thinking about something, they are just nudged and they want to complete something, then they are helped. So if you start thinking about it like that, then it's like a total right shift to uh, AI um, in the enterprise. 
That's that's a great perspective to keep in 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 mind. And and your analogy of the golf caddy, I always think of this in terms of cooking. I love to cook, and so the recipes, right? Uh, you know, there's so many recipes out there, and so many great chefs give you the recipe. But ultimately, how that dish turns out is in your hands. And <laughs> you know, that's the analogy I like to refer to mostly. It's it's I think I like it, and I can relate to it a lot more. Uh, but that's that's a perspective that I think we should all keep in mind. So thank you for stating that so clearly and candidly. Um, you know, in organizations, innovation and incubation of innovative ideas is so important. But then there are so many folks who have great ideas, but who can never uh, get them off their table. And, and I think it's mostly the networking and the connections that help you in doing that. So what role did your social capital, your connections within any of the organizations that you worked with or for play in generating, incubating and scaling innovation in your um, HR tech department? I think uh, first and foremost, uh, the innovation comes from a kind of instilling a culture of innovation in the organization. And to be able to encourage that, that that is part of what we do. Um, and uh, how we think about our work is, you know, it has to be 50% perspiration and 50%, you know, inspiration, not the, so the, you need to have space to be able to do that. I mean, we recently, we just spoke about employee burnout, right? The, the, for employees to get engaged back and feel productive and, and you know, perform better for the company, which then the company performs better, you have to have space for the employees to be able to do that. So that's just my uh, two cents on innovation. But then uh, your specific question about how do you can help, uh, how do you network? Um, I, I in Microsoft, uh, obviously you need tools to network. And so we have great tools to network um, amongst uh, each other to be able to find some experts, to be able to, figure out where to learn, what to learn, um, to, to be constantly be curious, having a learning growth mindset always. All of this helps in kind of figuring out whom to contact. So um, recently, I like I said, I moved into this AI center of excellence. Um, you know, when I started, all I knew about AI was, you know, like every, every technologist knows. And suddenly I was, I had to kind of quickly ramp myself up and learn a whole lot more um, from various people. And the way I would do it is, uh, figure out who in Microsoft would know this, and we have tools and abilities to do that. And the simple thing is, who's got what skills, and how do we uh, how do we we uh, how do we kind of uh, go find them? Uh, which organizations do they belong? If if an organization says that they are working on, let us say the the latest and greatest AI with Excel or something like that, then I will be able to kind of go figure out who that would be and then contact them. Um, mentorships. Uh, how do you kind of uh, find uh, not just the experts, but find a way to kind of go find mentors? Um, those are some of the ways that, you know, you learn and get, uh, get um, work done. More importantly, uh, listening and uh, sitting down and understanding what the problems are and um, uh, constantly researching internally and externally to be able to kind of bring the both the worlds together and say, you know what, so-and-so is doing this and here is where, where things are happening and this is so exciting there and bringing it all home and being able to tell that story internally and get that uh, excitement back. Those are some of the ways that we were able to kind of say, hey, we need to move the needle here and we need to kind of uh, take it to the next levels of HR technology. The technology comes last. 
it is the it is the understanding of the problems and the opportunities that comes first and that is where you spend most of your time and kind of bringing people along and then you kind of fix it with the technology basically true and it's so much easier to tell the human story than the tech story of course <laughs> much more interesting right <laughs> and you can do a lot more and be more creative with it i think so, people relate to the human story that's basically as simple as that yeah yeah absolutely so Rajama, you, you and I know, and everyone I think on this planet knows that um, we are experiencing an AI revolution right now as we speak. And there's so much positive potential to AI. Uh, you know, we talk about trustworthy AI, ethics in AI a lot as well. Uh, for instance, take uh, the new New York City Local Law 144 that came into effect on July 5th this month. Um, and it's one of the first regulations on AI in the United States. And even the Vatican apparently has gotten in on this AI craze because they just released a handbook on the ethics of AI defined by the Pope. Um, so how do you, as one of the foremost experts in, in AI and HR, think we in HR should think about and build these guardrails for the ethical use of AI in our organizations and beyond? The, the best part about HR is our mission hasn't changed. Our tools may have. So the, whatever the outcomes that we were originally planning, which is an unbiased, fair, inclusive, culturally exciting, uh, learning organization, and you know people collaborating, none of that has changed. So the outcomes haven't changed. So what that means is, um, you know, you when you change the tools that kind of get you the outcome. So let us say that you are going to bring AI into hiring. Um, you still are going to hire the right candidate for the right job based on their um, the experience and education and everything else that you look for in a candidate. You're not going to hire them because of their race, creed, color, caste, whatever. You know, at any given time. So you are. To, if you if you think about it like that, like your job hasn't changed, your tools are. So then you need to figure out how to implement those tools so that your outcomes are still the same fair inclusive outcomes. And so if you, if you kind of keep your eye out on the ball that way, you don't miss it. And then when you're implementing tools such as this, it's almost like you need to kind of create this innate discipline from the very get-go. Uh, do you need AI? First question. Are we just bringing in AI because everybody else is doing it? Do we really need AI? Yes, if we do need AI, then then are we making sure that the data that we are bringing in is all complete and, and comprehensive? Are we reflecting our, our solutions to any bad patterns that we have had in the past? Um, are we going to, are we testing the heck out of it? Is If, for example, if AI is going to be used for, let us say, responding to an individual, um, are we ensuring that we have tested the heck out of it to make sure it's not giving you any kind of bad, abusive, biased language or anything like that? And uh, once it goes into production, are we transparent to the end user? And are we giving them a choice to opt in and opt out of AI? Because not everybody is just very comfortable with it. So, and then once they are opting in, do, they, do we have a space for them to give feedback? So these, these are experimentation times. And you, we have to make sure that we are capturing as much data as possible to ensure that we are doing the right things um, for the human beings as we are pro making progress on AI. And I think um, uh, you're absolutely right. And, and I, don't, I don't deny that, you know, everybody is getting in on the ethics because they are all worried about if people will 
change the outcomes because now you're accelerating whatever you're doing, um, you know, tenfold, hundredfold, and you know, and if the mistakes that one human being or few human beings were making, if the patterns get kind of um, escalate, scaled up because of AI, then the you know the outcomes are really going to be uh, bad. So I think uh, I think just having an innate discipline to think about it from the from the entire um, so life cycle of how you're going to implement AI in your organization will be very, very valuable. Very insightful. Thank you. So lastly, um, what's your advice, given all of this upheaval in our work and workplaces uh, for HR professionals um, who are looking to adopt or learn new technology, especially AI and chat GPT and using chat GPT in HR? I would say like there's there are plenty of things available online. You can go to LinkedIn, you can you can learn about ChatGPT, you can, you know, basic stuff is available everywhere. Uh, I like to listen to podcasts such as yours or others to kind of learn about what, what's going on in uh, new and um, um valuable in the <clears throat> in the HR tech space specifically, attend conferences and so on. The usual stuff applies. Uh, but more importantly, <clears throat> before you implement AI in your organization, remember that the work is on the left-hand side, which is, is your content ready for AI? Do you have all the data ready? Is your data quality? And, you know, all of that applies like more so than ever before, um, because now you're going to use that data to make decisions. Now you're going to make the use that content to respond back to individuals. It was a different thing when individuals, let's say that you're going to shift to AI to support your employees with uh, questions about HR, um, you know, and uh, it's going to become now a conversational bot that is going to use AI. Then, then the, how, if you, does, is your content ready for that? Will the bot be able to pick up that content and, you know, be able to do that? So don't focus so much on the right hand side, which is, I would call the AI implementation, focus on the left hand side, which is the preparation, the foundation, as well as very carefully thinking about where you want to bring in AI to kind of everybody, for everyone to be able to learn and do, and then kind of bring it all in and, and kind of expand it within the uh, organization. So that's that would be my advice for HR. Wonderful. Thank you. It's like in those days, back in the day, when we used to write policies by yeah. hand manually. <laughs> <laughs> and then use our expertise and our subject matter experts to kind of, you know, run through them and find out if they're really saying what they're supposed to say and they're not, you know, adversely impacting anyone. We now have to, you know, use the tech to do it, but then do it in a very small, like baby steps that you uh, and I talked about earlier and then and implement it throughout the organization. So great insights. Thank you for that. Nice. Brings us uh, to our question connection section of our conversation, which I always love because I get to know you a lot more and our audience and community gets to know you a lot more as well. So who is one person, Rajama, that you've gained in your network in the HR and HR tech space in the last year that you think we should all get in touch with and learn about and know about? I would, there were so many over the last couple of years. And the last couple of years, I have amassed a whole new set of uh, HR and AI now um, experts. A lot of people that have been working working in the ethics in AI and so on. Um, but um, since you asked specifically in the HR tech sector, um, there's one individual called Samara Jaffe. Um, she runs the uh, Transform um, 
you know, group. Basically, they they have once in a year conferences and so on. I like it's a very eclectic kind of conference. I like the way she sets it up and so on, and the connections she's been able to uh, bring together. And it it has been lovely kind of knowing her. Um, so that would be one. But if you start getting me into AI, then you know we will be for the next half hour. We'll be on this call talking about all the people that I I would love to kind of introduce on this program. Thank you for sticking to just one, and I will include Samara's uh, contact info or LinkedIn info in the show notes for the community. Um, you've talked about podcasts and books. What's one of your favorite podcasts in the HR tech space and book that you would recommend to our audience? I, I have to confess, I don't read many HR tech books, <laughs> though, even though I, I, I'm supposed to, I teach at NYU, um, but uh, please don't tell anyone that. But the <laughs> the, the thing about it is, let me think, um, I think, you know, Josh Burson's Academy is one that I listen to. I uh, I have been on a panels with him and I really love talking to him, his, his, his wealth of knowledge. Um, the other... Uh, person is uh, recently I've started listening to Work Trends by uh, Megan Enviro. Um, she uh -huh. has some really interesting guests that come in, and I, I like the way she, especially when it when she, her topics are about HR tech. I'll certainly listen to them. So uh, absolutely, some of these, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, those were some that okay. I remember. Great, and we'll link those in the show notes as well. Um, any LinkedIn learning or e-learning series that you would recommend for folks who are looking to learn about HR tech and especially AI in our space? There are plenty. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't have one specific one that I would go after, but one area which is specifically HR tech, which I love is uh, David Green's uh, analytics. He publishes every month, uh, you know, the 30 best analytics stories or whatever. I keep up with that because they are, um, they are very uh, insightful. What what they what they do is they keep up with the technology, not just the you know whatever we were doing earlier on, but now with the technology changes and stuff like that, he kind of keeps up with it. So I I really love and it brings in the best of the world in terms of uh, what's going on in the world of HR and HR tech and especially in people analytics. So I would recommend that highly. Absolutely, I love that too. So I will link that in the show notes as well. Um, and given all the upheaval that we are experiencing in all things work, what's one workplace trend that you think is here to stay? I think the remote working. Um, remote working was not new before the pandemic started, but it has become a more a commonplace thing now that the um, pandemic is behind us, thankfully. Um, and um, I, I would call it less about remote working, more about um, where, what and how I want to work. And I think uh, I think I love the fact that suddenly they the employees have a little bit more power in how they want to do, you know do their work. And so I uh, that shift in power is something that's going to stay. And <clears throat> there are some organizations that are recalling people to come back into work and all of that. Even then, they none of them are saying you thou shalt come to work five days a week and you know be sitting in your chair until lunchtime and all of that is gone. Now you have to. Uh, now you can see that pe people feel most productive working when they feel like they want to work and, you know, when they, where they feel like they need to work. That is, these are some of the trends by which we can actually, you know, you've talked about being innovative and stuff like that. That's when you can get to employees to thrive and be innovative is to allow them to have the space to figure out where 
where they can be successful actually so yeah absolutely we joke about the fact in our in our circle in my little close knit hr circle that we no longer have to ask the boss permission to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a thing of the past we've gained that power <laughs> so so that that's great progress <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We, we in HR used to be strapped to our desks, literally strapped to our desks, you know, when I was working in certain organizations. So I am thankful for whatever's come our way with this, this remote work um, world. So Rajama, you've, uh, you know, talked about all the things that you do with the community. How do you enjoy giving back to the HR community and the HR tech space? Actually, <clears throat> I would. I, you know, I'm, I would be lying if I'm saying I'm giving back, but these are the ways that I learn back from the community. And this is a, this is, I wouldn't even say it's an equal exchange, frankly. Um, but um, the, uh, I teach at NYU, I'm a, I teach master's program for human capital analytics and technology, which is a great way for me to kind of interact with the architects of the future, future of future of work, you know, basically they are going to create, um, they are HR and HR technologists that are going to think about how our children and our grandchildren are going to kind of face the work, face the workplace, and hopefully, like I said, uh, the remote work will be there to stay as well. And then um, you have, uh, then I also, um, as I'm an advisor to many startups, um, many startups in HR technology space now, you know, including AI. There is not a startup in HR technology space that doesn't include AI in its phrase, uh, uh, and um, so they come to me for advice about how they need to grow their product or how to do that. I sit on many boards that uh, allow me to be able to uh, influence what is going on there, um, whether through investments or through uh, other uh, spaces. So that's the way I keep up with what's going on, I learn. And then last but not the least, the conferences and podcasts and stuff like that, where I'm able to talk about it and then kind of learn about stuff as we go. Well, thank you for being here on the HR Bytes podcast. And I know I have learned a lot and I'm looking forward to continuing to learn from you. I'm sure our communities learned a lot in today's conversation and they are looking forward to stay in touch with you. What is the best way for them to keep in touch with you? LinkedIn. Okay, uh, perfect. Uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn is the best way to kind of, I don't have any Twitter account. I haven't started one, maybe I should. But other than that, LinkedIn is my is my place to go for connecting with uh, people in the community. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe Threads is a good one too to think about. Yeah, I'll I'll look into it. I've heard <laughs> about it and I was thinking about it. Yeah, but I will start thinking, looking into it for sure. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you again, Rajama, for being here today. I am really very appreciative of your time and the insights that you've shared with us. And I'm sure our community is very thankful for hearing from you today as well. So thank you everyone for being here. And we look forward to bringing you more such HR tech stories in the future. Thank you again. Thank you, Jay.